0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Justin Trudeau arrives in Europe to meet with allies and discuss a response to the crisis in Ukraine.
1: Discussing uh, how to continue to support Ukraine, how to strengthen democratic values around the world, and how to stand up even more for democracy, to stand against uh, Russian aggression. Uh, and to work very hard on combating the kind of disinformation and misinformation that we know is uh, a facet of day-to-day life these days, but a particularly strong facet of uh, this conflict, this war in Ukraine.
0: Parliament prepares for a review of the use of the Emergencies Act.
1: It would be a shining moment if there was an actual useful review that actually had all political leaders and in the, in the parties represented, and it's all parties represented in this new committee that's going to look at uh, the invocation of the Emergencies Act.
0: And what to expect as talk around the conservative leadership race heats up. In the last leadership race, I remained neutral as the outgoing leader. And after this election, I gave, and after it was clear that we were going to have a new leadership race, I made the decision that I would get involved. It's Monday, March the 7th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mark. So Prime Minister Trudeau is in Europe meeting with other world leaders now on the situation in Ukraine. And uh, I guess w- there will be lots of questions about what those leaders can agree to do. But it's, it's also about what they're not going to agree to do, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's the larger question. Um, Certainly for, you know, the Ukrainians who are uh, sort of fighting tooth and nail uh, and say that they're not just fighting to save, you know, Ukraine, they're fighting to, you know, protect the rest of Europe, making a stand about the rule of law and and democracy for uh, all of Europe and maybe even the wider world beyond Europe. And what they say they really need and they keep asking for is for a a no-fly zone for NATO to... Uh, you know, come in and stop any possibilities and uh, of airstrikes. And, and, you know, but we know what the NATO response has been, including from Canada. We're not, you know, this country's not prepared to engage uh, the Russians with a no-fly zone because that's, in effect, a, a declaration of war. And that might lead to a much, you know, wider uh, consequential conflict in Europe and even beyond. Um you know, that, that has an interesting context uh, because of the most, you know, recent remarks by Vladimir Putin saying, you know, he, he considers uh, the sanctions being taken by the West uh, as an act of war. So, uh, I mean, I'll be, I think what we should probably watch for this week is how much more, um, you know, how NATO and Western countries can do, uh, you know, without engaging in full-fledged war with uh, with Russia. Uh, by way of humanitarian aid, supplying uh, more and more uh, lethal weapons, but you know, you listen to the experts talk about this Mark. At some point, uh, depending on you know how the battle goes, uh, you know, there's um, there's only so much lethal weaponry you can supply to uh, to a force that's being beaten down by the Russians. If that's what ends up happening, yeah. Um, right now, it's, it's, it's the conflict is still sort of hard to measure. Exactly, uh, how long can the Ukrainians, um, you know, uh, stand at the wall and 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 you know, hold the Russians off? Uh, is it a matter of days? A matter of weeks? And then what happens uh, if uh, if Russia takes over Ukraine and installs a uh, you know a puppet a government, you know, uh, supportive of, of Russia? What's the next step? And I think uh, you know the Prime Minister will be talking to that about other European allies. Is, you know, the notion has to be around let's get to what we think the end point is. Where are we going to be in three weeks or a month from now? And how, how do we respond to that?
0: Yeah, and I think obviously these leaders are walking a very delicate line at the moment, and and there are no obvious uh, solutions here because, uh, as you say, they want to avoid a wider conflict. But on the other hand, if as much is at stake in this particular uh Crisis, as people are saying, is at stake. Then it certainly warrants uh, corresponding response, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, I think, and that's clearly the uh, clearly the challenge, and, and what these leaders have to struggle over because there's no there's there's kind of if if the next step is a deeper NATO, and let's say it's NATO, if there's a deeper NATO engagement that is perceived as an act of war. Uh, russia there's no turning back from that so i think before that kind of a move were to be taken uh, all of the allies would have to be sort of on side they'd have to be committed to what comes next and you know god only knows what that could mean mark uh, with a with a russian leader who says he's standing up his you know nuclear capabilities um it's a very dangerous time and the decisions being made by the Prime Minister of Canada and other leaders are going to have to be well-considered, and there's going to have to be some clear thought about what a decision means and where it takes the rest of us.
0: All right, let's turn to some issues closer to home, Peter, and there continues to be review and discussion of the use of the Emergencies Act in Canada to deal with the protests that happened um, in Ottawa and elsewhere. Um, what do you expect in the days ahead? Because I think one of the central questions on this is whether any type of review and analysis is going to be thoughtful and analytical and constructive, or whether it's simply going to be divided along partisan lines. Yeah,
1: I think, mean, and I, I wish I had an answer for you. I mean, it's, we'll, you know, it's it's hard to think. I mean, it would be a shining moment if there was an actual useful review that actually had all political leaders and in the, in the parties represented, and it's all parties represented in this new committee that's going to look at uh, the invocation of the Emergencies Act and you know what happened and, and, and even some wider issues. Uh, to think that they could do that sort of uh, you know with sort of reason and, and rationale and, and part to partisanship, but. Given the kinds of things we saw in the House of Commons and the debates and the comments we saw around this, when we were seeing the uh, the convoy protests in Ottawa and other cities in Canada, uh, I'm not sure how they'll uh, they'll manage to check that. I mean, it, it's a, in theory, market's It's a valid exercise. It's a, a a good opportunity since it was the first time the Act was invoked since 1988 when it was created. Uh, we should want answers as a country about why it was invoked, what were the um, you know, what were the thresholds for invoking it? What do we want as standards moving forward as a country? When should we move to these kinds of measures uh, that that uh, change the way laws are applied to Canadians? Under what circumstances it would be beneficial for Canadians to get through that process and have that process, you know, produce some... Uh, uh, some useful information. Um, I mean, I guess we'll watch in the first few meetings to see whether that's going to be a possibility or whether it devolves very quickly into who had the right approach to dealing with protests and and uh, you know and whether it, it you know slides into uh, deep partisanship and you know accusations of who speaks for who and whether Canadians were fairly treated. Yeah, um, it, it would be a valid process if it can. Uh,
0: All right, finally, Peter, let's talk for a moment about the conservative leadership race. We might hear, perhaps this week, uh, uh, other people entering the race. Right now, it's just Pierre Poilievre, who is officially declared, and and he's been out campaigning, and he's certainly uh, already on the attack against Jean Charest, comparing him as often as he can to Justin Trudeau. Um, Jean Charest is not an official candidate, um, but might be soon. Uh, so, what do you expect from from that race, and and what do you think? How do you think things change as soon as there is somebody else in the race?
1: Yeah, and I think that the for the, key, the key is for anybody else uh, entering the race uh, is to make their minds up quickly. I think the cutoff point is April nineteenth uh, to declare your your candidacy. The problem with waiting that long, Mark, is that you know, and a guy like Paul you have is really good at defining what he thinks the narrative is for the people who are big fans of Pierre Polyev, and the longer anybody else waits that will be opposing Pierre Polyev to get into the race, he's got all that time to build as he's doing. A narrative of why Jean charez you know, not the guy, why that's a bad idea, so... I think if you're interested in getting in as a, as a Conservative and think you have a shot and you've, you've come to terms with yourself about the reasons why you want the leadership and what you think you can do for the country, uh, well, first the party and then the country, uh, you need to make that decision pretty quickly. You need to line up the money, you need, to line up the, uh, you need to convince yourself, as I said, first of all, that this is what you want to do and that you're serious about it, and you need to be able to build a narrative that can check the narrative that Pierre is already building for any other opponent. And so I think, you know, what I'm watching for is how quickly uh, anybody else gets in. If, if time starts to drag on, if another week or 10 days were to go by with nobody declaring, uh, that would tell me that a lot of the people who think they might have had a shot have now sized up the landscape and think that they can't beat a Pierre Polyev or that they think a coronation is in an order and they don't want to put themselves through that process. So mm. uh, a lot to watch for in the next seven seven days or so.
0: Yeah. All right, Peter. Thanks for breaking it all down for us. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Great to talk to you, Mark. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. It's going to help Ukrainians reach Canada in the fastest possible way, and also ensures that it's it's efficient and safe. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues we must not go about welcoming Ukrainian refugees in a haphazard fashion. The Sun writes. Federal officials have said they will expedite visas, so those fleeing the war can reach safety quickly. That's a welcome move. But we must be intelligent in the way they're settled. There are housing crises in many large cities in this country. This is a big country, with room for many more people. There's a large and well-established Ukrainian community across the prairie provinces. It makes sense that newcomers be encouraged to consider all communities— rather than just cities where there are housing shortages and where supports may be stretched to the limit. In the Toronto Star, Chantal Hébert argues Justin Trudeau fell short on one crisis and rose to another. Hébert writes, To watch the handling by Justin Trudeau's government of the back-to-back crises that have marked the first months of 2022 is to be treated to a study in contrasts. The three-week anti-vax occupation featured liberals and conservatives looking to score partisan points against each other. Each side ended up doing more potential lasting harm to itself than to its rival. In the case of Ukraine, the opposition has largely been supportive of the government's approach. Overall, its criticism has been meant to be constructive. The government has responded in kind. In the National Post, Colby Kosh argues, Russia's ghastly government doesn't excuse cruelty to Russian people. Kosh writes, The Russians in Russia were obviously not psychically prepared for a full-scale classical war of conquest by their government. None of it necessarily has the uncoerced approval of any Russian other than Vladimir Putin himself. Our thoughts should be with the ordinary Russian people and the ethnic Russians and Russian nationals among us, as they are with the Ukrainian people give a few seconds thought to the distinction between a government and its people, which is never easy. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Minister of Sport, Pascal Saint-Ange, will make an announcement from Wakefield, Quebec, about support for the Virage Vert project. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, March the 7th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.